Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens Adapted by Imagination Library Part 2 The next morning, Scrooge did his very best to put the ghost of Christmas past out of his mind and pretend nothing had happened. He was horrible to everyone he passed on the street, shouting, Bah! Humbug! even at those who respectfully raised their hats to him. He was horrible to Bob Cratchit, his clerk. He was even horrible to his own reflection, shouting, What are you looking at? when he caught a glance of himself in a shop window as he passed. But, try as he might, he could not get the memory of the ghost of Christmas past out of his mind. Or, more importantly, the scenes the spirit had shown him. This made him grumpier and more cantankerous than ever, and he bar-humbugged his way to bed early that night, determined to sleep the night through. However, that very night... Just as Marley's ghost had predicted, he was visited again, this time by a very different spirit to the ghost of Christmas past. Ho, ho, ho! was the sound Scrooge awoke to in the depths of night this time. Haunting number two had commenced. The ghost of Christmas present was very different to the ghost of Christmas past, He was a jolly old spirit who was absolutely ginormous. Well, he was a giant, so that makes sense. He shook with laughter and his green robe shimmered in the light he radiated, as if there was a fire lit within him. Before Scrooge had even properly woken up, the ghost swept him up to take him on a tour of London to see everyone preparing for the festive season. They travelled through the air as light as dancers to a poor street and an even poorer-looking house. However, sounds of laughter and joy came from within this ramshackle cottage and Scrooge peered with wonder through the cracked but sparkling clean window. How could people sound so happy when they lived in such miserable conditions? He wondered. As he gazed through the window pane. With a jolt, he realised it was his clerk Bob Cratchit's house. The children were all performing chores, with smiles on their faces, and they were all singing jolly Christmas songs as they bustled about, preparing their evening meal. It didn't look like there was much food to go round, Scrooge observed, but no one in the family seemed to have noticed this. A little boy was sitting at the table. He looked paler and smaller than the others, but a light seemed to come from him, a light of pure happiness and joy. Bob Cratchit came over and swung the boy up in the air, their laughter filling the room. With a gasp, Scrooge realised that the little boy did not have the proper use of his legs and couldn't walk without help. It fascinated Scrooge to see someone who clearly suffered such hardship to be so happy and content. As the family sat down, 
the little boy raised a glass, saying, God bless us, every one. They all repeated the blessing, and Bob ruffled the little boy's hair, saying, God bless you, Tiny Tim. You are sent to us from heaven. The little boy smiled, and the family tucked into their small meal with gusto. Scrooge stared through the window, transfixed. They were so... so... he groped to find the word. So happy. The family played games after their supper, laughter filling the room and spilling out onto the street where Scrooge stood in the bitter cold, watching. The ghost of Christmas present was fading away the longer they watched the festivities. Eventually, he pulled Scrooge away and pushed aside his green robe to reveal two starving children hidden beneath the folds. This is what is hidden behind the magic of Christmas, he said sadly. These children are ignorance and want. They are everywhere. With that, the ghost vanished, as, at the very same moment, Scrooge saw a black, hooded figure approaching. This was the ghost of Christmas future. A skeletal finger beckoned Scrooge to follow, and Scrooge obeyed, a feeling of dread in the pit of his stomach. The ghost led him to a group of businessmen, and Scrooge overheard them talking. Well, he had plenty of money by the end, didn't he? Yes, I should like to raid those coffers. Ha ha ha! I never liked him, but you can't deny he was successful. Well, at least if money is a measure of success. Didn't do him much good at the end, though, did it? I'd rather have less money and not die alone myself. Scrooge was frowning. They seemed to be talking about a dead man. But who? By the sound of it, the poor man had died alone, despite his riches. Scrooge shuddered. The ghost of Christmas future moved him on, silently. They came across a poor couple who were smiling and laughing with relief. "'Tis a terrible thing to say, husband. Oh, but I'm glad he's dead. Aye, wife, tis terrible indeed, but I agree with thee. Thank the good Lord he's gone, for we could not have afforded to pay the debt we owed him. And he kept adding the interest on, so we would never have been able to pay him fully. "'Oh, come on, let's celebrate,' the wife said, and they moved down the street hand in hand. "'How dreadful,' Scrooge thought. "'People seem to be happy that this poor man is dead. "'Oh, I must say, he didn't sound very kind or neighbourly. "'I wonder who he could be. "'Spirit, will you tell me?' But the spirit simply looked at him, blankly, and pointed with his relentless finger to a different street. A street Scrooge recognised. It was where the Cratchit family lived. But there was no light or laughter coming from the dilapidated little cottage this time. A darkness had descended, bringing a feeling of intense sadness 
and emptiness with it. The spirit led Scrooge to the window. Inside, the Cratchit family sat in silence, tears running down their cheeks. A tiny coffin was laid on the table, and Bob had his forehead bent over it in prayer, silent grief etched into his face. Scrooge scanned the room, a feeling of dread rising within him. Where is Tiny Tim? he whispered, fear clutching at his heart. The spirit said nothing, simply pointed with its inexorable finger at the tiny wooden coffin. Tears streamed down Scrooge's face as he realised what this meant. He turned to the faceless ghost beside him. Spirit, will you tell me why Tiny Tim had to die? Was there not enough food or medicine to keep him alive? And who is this desperate man who people seemed to hate so much and were glad was dead? The ghost pointed once more, this time to a graveyard. Scrooge gulped and followed. In the dark and gloomy churchyard, the gravestones stretched into the misty evening. The ghost of Christmas future led Scrooge to one, which looked new and pointed its emaciated finger at the headstone. Scrooge stooped and, to his horror, read his own name. Here lies Ebenezer Scrooge. A cold fist clutched his insides as he realised he was looking at his own grave. He had been the man the people had talked about so dismissively. He had been the man who the poor couple were happy to hear had died. Oh, spirit, Scrooge cried, his eyes filling with tears again. I did not want Tiny Tim to die, and I do not want to die hated, unloved, alone. Please help me. I will change my ways. Give me a chance to make things right. The spirit turned its blank face toward him. It lifted the skeletal finger once more, and whoosh! Scrooge was back in his bed, the covers drawn up to his chin, shivering uncontrollably. As his heart slowed, and he realised he was safe in his own home, a feeling of joy and relief filled him. A second chance, he thought. A chance to start afresh, to mend my ways, to help others rather than just take. He closed his eyes, a smile on his face for the first time in years. Just a few hours later, he awoke to the sun's rays peeking through his curtains and the sound of bells pealing. It was Christmas Day. Scrooge leapt out of bed, feeling twenty years younger. He rushed out into the street, crying, Merry Christmas! and shaking the hand of everyone he met.
Those who knew him stared in astonishment at this transformation. No more bar humbug! They could hardly believe their eyes. But they shook his hand gladly enough, marvelling at this miserable old man who had suddenly become filled with joy and Christmas spirit. Scrooge went straight to the butcher's and arranged for the biggest turkey in the shop to be delivered to the Cratchit family and rushed there immediately. He banged on the door and Bob Cratchit opened it. He went slightly pale when he saw his boss and said, "Uh, Happy Christmas, Mr Scrooge. Uh, Did you need me in the office today? It's just that, uh, well, it's Christmas Day. Uh, uh," He trailed off awkwardly. (laughs) No, no, my good man. Work on Christmas Day? Nonsense! Bob looked rather taken aback at his employer's transformed attitude, but he smiled and invited him in. Bob introduced his wife and children, saving a pale-cheeked little boy until last. Tiny Tim, breathed Scrooge, gazing at the boy's smiling face. Yes, sir, he piped up. How do you know my name? Scrooge laughed and took the child on his knee. Tiny Tim, you are very special. You have saved me. Tiny Tim smiled with delight and rested his head on Scrooge's shoulder. Thank you for the turkey, sir, said Bob. It was so kind of you. You must stay and celebrate with us. Yes, please, the children cried. Do stay and celebrate, Uncle Scrooge. Scrooge blushed to the roots of his grizzled grey hair. Never had he felt so welcome, so happy, so loved. After that, Ebenezer Scrooge was a changed man. He was a firm friend to the poor, treated his workers with respect and generosity, and was a beloved member of the Cratchit family. Bar humbug was never heard again. The end. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Christmas special. A very happy Christmas to you all. We'll see you in the new year for another Super Sleuths adventure. Super Sleuths in the Sugar Islands. If you're loving the podcast, why not give us five stars so other people can find us and enjoy our adventures together. See you next time.